Let's pray together. O God, with all the choirs of heaven and with the crowd here below, we exclaim that adoration to Him who is the Lamb of God, who is the Savior of the world, who is the King of angels, we exclaim to Him blessing and honor and dominion and power unto our Lord Jesus. We embark on a new journey. Let the teaching today be clear. Show us. Show us, we pray, the immensity of the chapter to which you call us now. Through Christ Jesus. Amen. Have you ever heard this story? I want to read it to you. I love this story. Once upon a time, when the king of Syria was at war with Israel, after consulting with his officers, he said, at such and such a place, I want an ambush set. Attack Israel. But the prophet sent a message to the king of Israel. Watch out when you're passing this place because Syria has set an ambush there. So the king of Israel sent word concerning that place of which the prophet had warned him. The army went another way. This kind of thing happened all the time. The king of Syria was furious over all of this. He called in his officers together and he said, Tell me, who is leaking information to the king of Israel? Who is the spy in our ranks? But one of his men said... No, my master, dear king. It's not any of us. It's Elisha, the prophet of Israel. He tells the king of Israel everything you say, even what you whisper in your bedroom. The king said, go and find out where he is. I'll send someone and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan, a little mountain village. Then the king of Syria dispatched horses and chariots and impressive fighting force and they came by night and surrounded that little city. Early the next morning, a servant of the prophet got up and went out. Surprise! Horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, Oh, Master, what should we do? The prophet said, Don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. And then Elisha prayed, Oh, God... Open the boy's eyes and let him see. And the eyes of the young man were opened and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wild story? I mean, have you ever seen a chariot of fire? Have you ever seen 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of chariots of fire? I cannot imagine that flaming orange horizon in that little Dothan village. Oh God, open up the boy's eyes so that he can know those on our side are more than those who are against us. Angels. Angels. Welcome to a new mini-series. It begins right now. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I have in my life never preached one sermon on angels, let alone four. But I tell you what, I am so excited about this miniseries because I believe with all my heart that when this miniseries is over, you and I will never be the same again. Come on. Primer on angels. Basic book on angels. Today's teaching, ministers of flame. Chariots of fire. Angels. Ever seen an angel? Don't be too quick to say no. Open your Bible with me, please, to the theme text for this mini-series. Book of Hebrews, New Testament. Book of Hebrews, New Testament. You didn't bring a Bible, pull the Bible out in front of you. It's the New King James. It's our pew Bible. You've got to track this. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1, because we need to answer four short questions. All right? Who, what, why, and how? Who are they? What do they look like? Why are they here? How shall we respond? Hebrews chapter 1. I'll be in the New International today. Hebrews chapter 1. All right? Find a Bible. You didn't bring a Bible? Grab that pew Bible. Share with the person beside you. Hebrews 1. Get a load of this. The last line of that first chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Question number one, who are they? In that line we just read, three word pictures tucked inside on the canvas of your brand new study guide. Let's sketch this word picture, shall we? Grab your study guide. You got a study guide in your uh, worship bulletin? Pull it out. Ushers, let's get the study guides right now to our, our guests who are here. Maybe you got in without a bulletin. Several of you came with one bulletin. Hold your hand up. And we want to make sure all the way into the balcony, please. Everybody here. Choir, you got a study guide? You got them? Good. You go. Beautifully done just a moment ago. Thank you very much. Blessed our souls. All right, grab that study guide. Let's go. Oh, by the way, those of you watching on uh, television, we're delighted to have you. Let me give you our website. I'll put it on the screen for you right now. You see it there, www at the bottom of your screen, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for this brand new mini-series, Primer on Angels, today's teaching, Ministers of Flame. You find, you see today's teaching, just, it says study guide right under Ministers of Flame. You click on there and you'll have the same study guide. This study guide's a keeper. This is the basic framework. You have this, then the, uh, the uh, mini-series, the journey that we're on will make all the sense in the world. I am praying. All right? So get that study guide and let's go. Word picture number one, okay? Three word pictures in this verse we just read. Word picture number one. The Greek word for angel is angelos. And you can see the word, the English actually is transliterated right out of the, uh, right out of the Greek. And it means messenger. Angelos. It means messenger. Incidentally, the Hebrew word for angel is malach, which also means messenger. So whatever these beings are, they are messengers for someone. But the problem is we humans are also called by these same names in the Bible. So it, this can't be the unique definition of an angel. So we need word picture number two. Jot this one down. The Greek for spirit is pneuma. You see the P in front of it? Pneuma. Silent P, which means breath. And that's why we talk about having pneumonia. Remember pneumonia? What is, what is pneumonia? It's, it's disease of the breathing apparatus. So pneuma can be translated breath. It can be translated wind, spirit. When the disciples saw, this, saw Jesus walking on water, they cried out, it's a ghost. It can be translated that way. And the moment we introduce this word we encounter a very major difference between angels and humans. Because we humans are never called spirits. What are we called? We're called flesh. We're called flesh and blood. 
remember when God put Adam to sleep, did that little uh, rib surgery, designs this beautiful, crafted this gorgeous friend of his. And when Adam sees Eve for the first time and his eyes just about pop out of that face, you remember he cries out, whoa, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That's what it means. Humans are bones and flesh and blood. In fact, we say to each other, we're flesh and blood. We're flesh and blood uh, relatives. Why? Because that's the way humans are. Angels are not flesh and blood. They're called spirits. Which means, by the way, jot this down. They are not hampered by the corporeal. Take a look how you spell that because we don't use that word very much, do we? Corpus, body. They're not hampered by a body. They don't, they're not hampered by the physical, the corporeal. Because they're spirits, they can walk through walls and lock gates. How do you think that angel got into the belly of Herod's dungeon to release Peter in that midnight rescue? Nobody. They're not corporeal. They can stand in the midst of flame and be unscathed. How do you think the angel of the Lord stood in that burning bush and talked to Moses, standing in a bush? How do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had that celestial being in the fire with them? Unscathed spirit being. Because they are not corporeal, they can time warp travel unaffected by Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. And I don't want to hear from any ph- physicist here about, oh, Dwight, I think there is a law that that angel could have followed. No, they, they, they are not bound. Don't write me that email. They are not bound. <laughs> They're not bound by the laws of physics. Because you remember in the story of Daniel? Daniel starts praying at the beginning of Daniel 9. Gabriel is standing beside the father. And the father says, Gabriel, that's my man, Daniel. That's my beloved friend. Go down there and answer his prayer. Shoom, he's there. There's no law of physics that gets you there that fast. And if there is, I don't want to hear about it. Because <laughs> I'm not retracting this. They are not hampered. They are not hampered by the physical or the corporeal. Which makes angels, jot this down, which makes angels just like God who's also described as a spirit. As spirit, Jesus told the woman at the well, Hey, God is spirit. He's not flesh and blood. He's spirit. Wow. And a spirit being is not flesh and blood, is it? So let's ask, okay, come on. Let's ask the playground recess question. Who's bigger? Who's better? Humans or angels? I wish you hadn't asked that because now I have to tell you. Same chapter, right after 1. Right there, same book, Hebrews 2. Take a look at this. Just drop down a few lines. Right after 114, you're in chapter 2. Look at verse 6. But there is a place where someone has testified. Well, the place is Psalm 8. What is man? What is human? That you are mindful of him, mindful of her, the son, the daughter of humans, that you care for them. Here it comes, verse 7. You, <clears throat> you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. Look, you're, you're, we're lower than the angels, but still crowned with glory and honor. Would you jot it down? Hebrews 1 is clear. Humans were created a little lower than the angels. There's nothing wrong with being a human. We didn't have a choice, but there's nothing wrong with it. But if you listen to the king of angels himself, there is an edge humans have, if you want to call it this, that angels do not have. Let's put it on the screen. Take a look at this. This is Jesus himself. He ought to know. Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, at the resurrection, Jesus teaching, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Two factoids in that one line from Jesus. Jot it down. Number one, angels don't marry or procreate. Humans marry and humans procreate. Angels can't. Factoid number two, 
One day, this is, this, is what, this is what blows you out of the water. Watch this. One day, factoid number two, humans will be equal to the angels. According to Luke 20, verse 36. By the way, if yours says 22, scratch it out and put 20. That's my typo. Don't worry about it. That's Luke 20. There, one day, we're going to be equal to the angels. So there will be a rising of the human race toward the angelic race until one day we'll be the same. Wow. After all, we have the same Creator. Don't we have the same Creator? Jot it down. Angels are just as created as human beings are. Yes, they are. In fact, God speaking of one angel, speaking to the angel in Ezekiel 28, He says, on the day you were created, angels are created. But, keep your pen moving, they were created before us. Because I love it in the NIV, Job, 20, Job 38, verse 7, the angels sang at the creation of earth. So, this, guess what that makes them? That makes them our elder brothers and sisters. Except they're not male or female. They're just our elders. Same father. Same family. Same bond. We're flesh and blood. They're spirits. Wow. Word picture number one, angels are messengers. Word picture number two, angels are spirit messengers. And now here comes word picture number three. Angels are ministering spirit messengers. Jot it down, please. The Greek word for ministering was used in secular documents to describe service rendered by a state official. Official. So that Greek word says they, they, are, they have high office. Angels are spirit messengers that serve in an official capacity for whom? That's the question. For whom do they serve? Same chapter, Hebrews 1, verse 7. Look at verse 7. In speaking of the angels, God says, speaking of Himself, He, God, makes His angels winds. Same word as spirit. Winds. His servants, flames of fire. There they are, chariots of fire. There they are, right there. Angels. Servants of fire. Ministers of flame. Jot it down, will you? Angels are celestial servants of the Most High God. They live in His home. They eat at His table. They serve in His universe. You've got to understand this. They are very, very close to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're their children. They're the grown-up children in God's family. You and I are the kids on this planet. Wow. But the good news gets even better than this. Look at this. They not only serve God, but look at our theme text again. Verse 14, Hebrews 1. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Hallelujah. Jot it down. Angels are celestial servants of all the earthbound sinners God longs to save. They're your servants and mine. Amazing. Wow, no wonder a century ago these words were written. Do you have this in your study guide? Take a look at this. A century ago these words, we need to understand better than we do the mission of the angel visitants. That's why you and I, for the first time in my lifetime, are plunging into a subject we've never entered before. We need to understand better than we do. Our eyes will be open. And when our eyes are open, we will never be the same again. Trust me. Don't you mix, miss the next one. Don't you miss part two. It's going it's to radically reshape and reframe your horizon. Whoa. We need to understand better than we do the mission of angel visitants. It would be well to consider that in all our work, We have the cooperation and care of heavenly beings. 
Invisible armies of light and power, chariots of fire, attend the meek and lowly ones who believe and claim the promises of God. Cherubim and seraphim, two orders of angels, and angels that excel in strength. How many of them? 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands stand at God's right hand, all ministering spirits, quoting Hebrews 1.14, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Question number one, who are they? Question number two, what do they look like? If you go to Google and you ask Google, okay, I want to know what angels look like. Get me pictures of angels. Here is some of what you'll see. Take a look at these pictures. It's amazing, really, that over the centuries, artists have always painted angels as women. What is up with that? Huh? Do they sing high? Probably sing all the parts, Steve. Isn't that amazing? They're not male, they're not female. So turn around, it's fair play. I said, all right, guys, let's go to Google and find, let us find a male angel. And we did. We found the artwork of Bill Osborne, who is a religious art, does religious art, came up with a compelling portrayal of an angel that we are using for this series. It's on the cover of the bulletin, all the marketing on campus. It's in the corner. There it is. Do you like that one? Whoa, no wimpy angel here. Come on, look at the crosses etched into his garment. That's a good angel. Whoa. Yeah. Psalm 103, jot it down. Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you His angels. Oh, I love this. Who excel, who excel in strength. We're going to find out there's some, there's some bad angels on this planet, but the good angels excel in strength. And you have it right there, Psalm 103, verse 20. Unbridled power pulls that sword anytime you're in trouble. 24, oh, don't miss the next one. Don't miss the next piece. 24, 7. Wow. Okay, but come on, Dwight, we want to know what angels look like. Okay, let's go to the Bible. Jot this down. We'll we'll use your study guide as a canvas again. Exodus 37, verse 9. The cherubim had their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover, the mercy seat, of the golden ark. God says, Moses, you you want to carve some pictures of angels? I happen to know what angels look like, so I want you to draw wings onto them. God said they have wings. So angels have wings. Interestingly enough, only in the Old Testament. Cherubim have two wings, but they are seraphim, and they only appear in one place in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 6, let's put it on the screen, please. Above God's throne stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. Whoa! Six wings. But when we get to the familiar story that you're going to celebrate next weekend, the mighty resurrection of Christ, When you get to that familiar story, here it is. Jot it down, will you? Matthew 28, verses 1 and 2. And an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. His appearance was like what? Lightning. You ever sleep through a lightning storm? Never. His appearance was like lightning. In fact, so explosive is that appearance that the legionnaires, the burly Roman guard, boom, gone, dead, almost. Isn't that right? And by the way, a little earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns to earth, He's not coming with one angel. He's coming with wall-to-wall horizons of angels. If that was that explosive with one, can you imagine an entire heavens 
filled with angels. Interestingly enough, when Mark describes the same Easter story, he says he was a young man dressed in white. Luke says, oh no, there were two men and their white garments gleamed like lightning. But Luke gives him another description in Acts chapter 1. Just as Jesus is ascending into the air, going back to his home, Acts chapter 1 verse 10, jot this down. Suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Hollywood gets all excited about men in black. And the Bible says, no, the men are in white. Appearing in sacred history, when they materialize in front of the human, the human family, but oftentimes, and here's the, here's the clincher, oftentimes when they appeared in this history, they appeared in purely human form, entirely veiling their celestial glory so that you had no clue you have just had a conversation with an angel. And here's a classic text, and we all love this one. Hebrews chapter 13, let's put it on the screen. Verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Have you? Could it be? Two classic stories, and you know them well. Abraham sitting there, mopping his forehead in the shimmering heat of that wilderness afternoon under the cooling shade of his tent flap, and he sees three nomadic strangers with their mantles pulled over their faces as if they were moving past his ranch. Driven by the law of Oriental hospitality, Abraham raced, Oh, my Lord, please, you can't go a step further. Come in, come in. And as he scurries about his gift of hospitality, one of those strangers becomes a bit, a bit familiar with Abraham's wife and announces to her that she's going to have a baby in less than a year. And by the time the afternoon is over, Abraham knows full well that he has entertained the God of the universe and two of his angel children unawares. Story number two, those two angels, while God and Abraham have a conversation, two angels pull away from that tent and begin their way to the fallen city of Sodom. And wouldn't you know it, Abraham's nephew Lot, who learned, fortunately, his uncle's hospitality well, is sitting at the city gate, and when the two mantle strangers come, he insists, you cannot sleep, trust me, in this city square, you're coming to my house right now. They come in. And before the night is over... Lot knows that he has entertained angels unawares. So the question is, have you? Have you? Be careful. The next stranger who comes to your door, that gift of hospitality that God has planted in your heart, be careful withholding it. That stranger at the cafeteria table, that stranger you meet in the sidewalk, be careful. A century ago, these words were written. Boy, this, this is powerful. You got it in your study guide. You have to fill it in. Christ and His angels come to us, present tense, come to us in the form of human beings. And as we converse with them, light and grace and joy fill our hearts. Our spiritual energies are quickened and we are strengthened to do the will of God. Though we know it not, we are conversing with an angel, an angel in human guise. Write that down, an angel in human guise. We may have angels seated right here, right now. Look at the person to your right. No, it's obviously not that one. Look to the left. (laughs) We may have, we may have angels right now in this building. Don't you miss next time. Next time is Easter. Next time that you and I are together. 
Don't you miss it. Part two. I'm going to tell you about a woman who was worshiping here on a Sabbath morning in the Pioneer Memorial Church and saw an angel. And because of who this woman was, I know she saw what she saw. I'll tell you about it. I wonder how many angels you and I have conversed with along the way. Question number one, who are they? Question number two, what do they look like? Question number three, why are they here? And now we move into the heart and soul of our human existence because plain and simple, we are in a war. We are trapped in the invisible crossfire of a civil war in God's kingdom. Two massive intergalactic angelic forces are battling for the allegiance of every man, woman, and child on this planet. And nobody listening today, nobody watching right now, nobody is exempted from this war. You know it only too well. In fact, refresh your memory of what your heart has already told you again and again. Scribble these verses down, will you? Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 9. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And he, the dragon, was hurled to the earth and his angels. One third of the stars of heaven he brought to earth with him. C.S. Lewis is right. We are in a civil war in God's kingdom. And the forces of darkness are led by the fallen prince Lucifer who has now become Satan. Who can still morph himself, by the way, into a dazzling being. Keep your pen moving. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Which is why, by the way, whenever temptation comes to you and me, it always feels like an enlightened way to live. You know, I think I'm going to go with it this time. This feels like light to me. Oh, look out. Satan still remembers he once inhabited the light of Almighty God. Ezekiel 28 referred referred to that just a moment ago. Jot this down, will you? Verses 12 through 17. You, Lucifer, were the model of perfection, full of wisdom. Please catch that word, wisdom. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were anointed as a guardian cherub on the holy mount of God from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you and I expelled you. Ladies and gentlemen, in this desperate war, you and I are not dealing with a red-horned, pitchforked imp. We are dealing with the fallen, highest created intelligence in the universe, bar none. And that is why, listen carefully please, never, never, never argue with the devil. Ever, ever. Eve did. And it's over. You are no match. If your conscience is telling you don't, 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 the answer is don't. Don't say, but I, but, no, 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 never. He's brilliant. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, jot this down. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the power. See, it's not a human struggle. No flesh and blood. That's us. But that's not our problem. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual, spirit forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Shall we fight and rage against the darkness in our own puny strength? I'm telling you what, our only hope, our only hope is in angels who excel in strength to come to our deliverance. Jot this one down. We'll we'll really get into this next time. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them. Chariots of fire. One angel. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers dead overnight. One angel. 
Egypt brought to its knees. Two angels. Blindness in the city of Sodom. Unbridled power. Angels that excel in power. You have on your side. I keep these words in the back of my Bible. It's from the classic on the life of Jesus. Desire ages. You have to fill it in. We are, we are to contend with supernatural forces. But we are assured of supernatural help. All the intelligences of heaven are in this army, chariots of fire. And more than angels are in the ranks. Hold on now. The Holy Spirit, the representative of the captain of the Lord's host. Hit the pause button right there. Have you ever read in the Bible when you come across this phrase, Lord Sabaoth? You ever read that? Lord Sabaoth? That's just the direct Hebrew. We, we, we norm, it's normally translated Lord of hosts. And what's Lord of hosts mean? It means Lord of armies. Lord Sabaoth. The Holy Spirit descends to this planet as a representative of the captain of the, of the hosts. The Lord of hosts Himself. The Holy Spirit comes down, I love this, to direct the battle. And isn't this something? This is a keeper. Our infirmities may be many. Oh, Dwight, you don't know my life. There's no way an angel's going to stick around with me. Oh, my friend, that's precisely the point. It's because of my life and your life that he does stick around. Our infirmities may be many. Our sins and mistakes grievous. But the grace of God, isn't that beautiful? The grace of God is for all who seek it with contrition. The power of omnipotence. Almighty divine power. The power of omnipotence is enlisted in behalf of those who trust in God. An enti- look at an entire army. If God has to send, as He did to Elisha, if God has to send an entire army, He will send the entire host if you're in trouble. And one angel isn't enough. The power of omnipotence is enlisted on behalf of those who cry out to God, Deliver me. Who are they? What do they look like? Why are they here? Final question. How shall we respond? Given this unveiling that's, that, that the Scriptures bring to us, how then shall we respond? Let me tell you how not to respond. Okay, this is the way. Don't you ever do it this way. How not to respond? Write it down. Number one, do not worship angels. Twice in the book of Revelation. And by the way, the book of Revelation mentions more angels than any other book. Over 70 times, times angels are mentioned. Twice in the book of Revelation, John is so overwhelmed by his angel visitor that he falls down at the angel's feet to worship him. And both times the command is instantaneous and with all force. Don't do it. First time is Revelation 19.10. At this, I fell at the angel's feet to worship him. But he said, don't do it. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. I'm one with you. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm telling you, John, I'm but a servant of the Most High God just as you are. I have been bringing to you the divine visions. I am how the spirit of prophecy works, by the way, with human messengers. An angel comes to the human messenger and brings a vision from God. I am how the spirit of prophecy works with prophets and messengers. I come, but I'm not God. You worship God. You worship God. My friend... If you have been in the custom 
of worshiping angels and praying to them. Your desire is in good company because that's what John wanted to do. But you must be as obedient as John was and reserve all your worship and all your prayers for God in Christ Jesus. Prayers to angels. Prayers to saints. Prayers to the Mother of Christ are sincere prayers, but are sincerely misdirected and misguided. Worship God alone is the command of the angel himself. Number one, do not worship angels. Number two, and this is for my community of faith now, number two, do not talk to angels. Because I warn you, and after, just trust me, after our next teaching, part two, you're going to feel much closer than you have ever felt to the angel that has been assigned to you. And I just know, because I've been on this subject longer than you have, I just know that there will, there will well up a well-intentioned desire in your heart to communicate. God is up there, but I have this angel right here. I'm talking to you right now. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not talk to your angel. Why? Because talking to our angels will make us extremely vulnerable to an imposter angel who in that instant when he knows what you want can materialize in front of you and tell you what is not true. Don't you ever talk to your angel. That's why how should I respond to this teaching? Ah, Two responses. Jot these down. Number one, thank God for your angels. Thank God for angels. Thank you, God, for the angel that you have sent to me. I don't know what I'd do without him. I would not be here. I would be dead. I would be buried. I'll tell you what. Three times I know that were it not for my angel, I'd been long gone. Long ago dead. Thank you, God, for your gift of that angel. Number one, thank God for them. Number two, ask God for them. And this is a novel thought, but I want to plant the seed now. Ask God for them. John Dawson, in his magnificent book, Taking Our Cities for God, he makes the point, and I had not heard it made by any other writer, and I'm so I'm passing it on to you, the prayer of a human being, it makes all the sense in the world, the prayer of a human being can alter history by releasing angels into the earth. Come on, they were having a prayer meeting in Acts 12, and an angel got released right into the heart of the belly of Herod's dungeon and delivered Peter. Look at that line again. The prayer of a human being can alter history by releasing angels into the earth. Hey, don't put your study guide away yet. You're missing the most important sentence there. It's the next one. Don't put your study guide away. The prayer of a human being can alter history by releasing releasing angels into the earth. Here you go. If we really believe this truth, that when I pray, something happens in in the economy of heaven, and angels, chariots of fire, are unleashed... When I pray, if we, and this to me, this is the stinger right here. If we really believed this truth, we would pray with intensity and we would pray constantly. I'd be praying for everybody I know. God, I just met this man at the gas station. I don't know what's going on in his life, but I pray, God, that you you will send help to him right now. I just went jogging down the road. God, you see that woman there? I don't know what's going on in her life, but I pray that you will send help to her, whatever she needs. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if we really believe the truth about angels, 24-7 celestial officials of the kingdom of God, we'd be praying constantly 
and we would be praying intensely. God. You know, sometimes when I pray, I imagine chariots of fire. I imagine chariots of fire around the campus of Andrews University. God knows. We need that wall, do we not? Chariots of fire around Andrews University. Why not? King of angels, I ask you, please, send us angels. Angels to surround my campus. Angels to surround my home. Angels to surround my heart. If 10,000 showed up for one man named Elisha, they can show up for you. Angels. Oh, God. Because how does the story end? Look at this. Put it on the screen for you. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the boy's eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Amen.
now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, power and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.